Today on The Glue Guys, we will talk about Kyrie Irving, his pending shoulder surgery, what that means for these Nets, what it means for the Nets for next season, why you should probably still kind of watch the Nets, uh, why that is important. We'll talk about all of that in this episode, Brian. Yay. Well, welcome back to Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. A melancholy hello for Brian. A little octave down. Um, how you doing, that's, buddy? That's just because these are some of the first words I've spoken today, and my, my voice is a little bit lower to start the day. Do you ever do you ever have that? It's um, not because of, of the my, terrible despair I'm feeling over this, this season's Nets team. Yeah, so obviously we were potting today. This is an official emergency pod, even though we would be potting at this time. This is declared an official emergency pod by FEMA. Uh, of course, if you haven't heard by now, I'm sad to deliver the news that Kyrie Irving will not be playing basketball for the rest of this season. His shoulder issue, the impingement, what I've been casually calling impingement gate has turned into a full-blown <laughs> crisis for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, no, he's he's going to get the shoulder surgery that was discussed even back last month when he had talked about his shoulder and the issues he was dealing with. It is now happening. Brian and I, though, we're, we're going to start off with go positive first, and then we're going to go into the deep, dark well of anger and despair later in yeah. this podcast. Uh, I think that's the the appropriate way to kind of go about this. I can do this on your behalf. Mike's positive is that now he doesn't, because Kyrie's not going to play, it seems much more much less likely that Kevin Durant's going to come back. And so he doesn't have to endure the humiliating defeat of having his take be wrong if Kevin Durant didn't come back and Kyrie was still there. Now it seems like a, a moot point and he doesn't have to live in fear, I guess, of of the Twitter Twitter snipers. You know what? Is I your silver lining? Talk about Kevin Durant within <laughs> the fold of this conversation. Sure, sure, and sure. I didn't want to get into Kevin Durant because I'm, I've become maybe kind of an obsessive. I don't know, Brian, would you wow, say? Wow, interesting. Wow, that's, that's some of the most... Um, that's reflective. You've been doing some deep thinking, I can tell. I will tell you that Sean Marks' statement, so Sean Marks spoke for seven minutes to the press yesterday to declare that, yes, Kyrie Irving will not be playing basketball for the Nets. The final question, which I think was from Greg Logan of Newsday, before the media was cut off from asking any more questions, was about Kevin Durant. I verbatimed what Sean Marks had to say about that. Greg Logan asked, you know, what happened now with Kyrie? Does that change the fact that Kevin may or may not actually come back this season? And Sean Marks says, I think... I it have would have been pretty much upfront that Kevin was going to be out for the year. I don't think you've ever heard from us that there was a chance he was coming back. Nothing has changed on that front. Then then Mark says Kevin 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 certainly remains out. Uh me retelling it the way Sean Marks says it makes it sound a little odd, but uh, you said Kevin three times like that? I will. I don't really want to get into this at the beginning of this Kyrie Irving pod. I'll just say, I'll tease this thought that... <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad. That Sean Marks actually really wasn't that declarative, even though his words on print Perfect. looked declarative. He Perfect. wasn't... He was more declarative that Kyrie Irving... He was asked specifically, is Kyrie Irving done for the season? Sean yeah. Marks said, yes, he's done for the season. In the Kevin Durant answer, he felt like he had to explain himself more and then said, nothing has changed on that front, certainly remains out. 
that is the clever. I'm not going to get to conspiracy theory. Let's talk about Kyrie Irving. <laughs> You're already in it. You've already laid the groundwork. Um, um, yeah. So the real, yes, um, the real silver lining for me. This is just me talking here. Okay. Um, yes. And and this is if I'm forced, you know, gun to my head, think of a silver lining because in general this is not a great situation. Don't love the Kyrie Irving's after the season. Would love to have watched him, you know, foment some more um, chemistry with Dinwiddie and Karras. That being said, you know, and and I, I want him to be super duper healthy going into next season and all that. Um, it does take the stress off of the season enormously. Um, there's really if the chemistry problems were going to persist, and I kind of believe that they were going to, and we were facing a very difficult first round, probable shellacking, let's say, in a Kevin Durantless world, obviously, that would maybe not build the confidence, and it would not, it wouldn't help engineer any specialness around the team going into next season. It would it would cause more questions than answers. And we're already going into an offseason where there's probably going to be at least a little bit of turnover, and I don't want there to be any kind of suspicion that that was driven by like a not great playoff series and things like that. So it, it cleans up the narratives surrounding the team in a very neat way in that sense. Again, I'm not celebrating any of this. This doesn't, you know, I'd way prefer the alternative that is a small silver lining. And I think the thing is, so Sean Marks talked about this last night. You know, the thing that they're lacking by Kyrie Irving being out is actual the, the actual data of these guys playing with Kyrie Irving. You know, we didn't know that if Kevin Durant was actually going to come back or not. It was unlikely that he was going to come back. But we, if Kyrie is healthy, he would have been playing with Kara Savert, Spencer Dinwiddie. You know, kind of a big question before... Kyrie got hurt was can Dinwiddie, Lavert, and Kyrie all play together on the court? Can they all be successful? The very small sample size of data that we had had shown yes, they could, but they only played like, I don't know, 28 minutes together ever since Kyrie came back from his previous injury and Karras had come back from his injury too. We we were wanting to get that. That was a big question. Can those three guards all play together? And so we're, we're lacking that data set, but what we are going to get and this is, again, we're talking positives first, and then, of course, we're going to get into the deep, dark well of despair. You're going to learn, again, continue to learn that Spencer Dinwiddie, who he is, and I, I think you and I feel very confident that he's, like, definitively, well, now he's the best player on the Nets right now. I think he's one of the best guards in the East. He's not top tier. Maybe he's not even the second tier, but he's firmly in the third tier, however you want to place him. He's just sub all-star, and that's kind of amazing for Spencer Dinwiddie. The thing we're going to learn most now is truly what Karis LeVert is like because, you know, yes, he, there's excuses for him. He thought he was going to play with Kyrie Irving, and he didn't, and then he thought he was going to be healthy, and he wasn't. But now he's going to have 28 games left, and then the playoffs, hopefully, where he's going to get to prove, okay, this is who I am. I'm. There's nothing impeding me. There's My usage will be at the level that I so desire. I will get to do what I want to do. Yes, the ultimate goal would be him playing in between Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, but, I mean, no better chance to showcase of what actual player that he is than to have the ball in his hands and have him be the lead decision maker when he's on the floor without Spencer Dinwiddie. So, See, I might actually that. zig on that zag, like, because my concern, and, and I hate to be constantly, like, talking about my concerns with Karis LeVert because I'm, I'm bordering on doing it too much. Um, my concern, though, is that in this next 28 games or whatever, and he's going to be shooting 25 to 30 times a night, something insane like this, um, that he's going to get to build this false perception that that's going to be a future role for him on this team and that that's going to you know need to be undone by next season. Um, 
because this isn't no matter what, no matter how well he does, there isn't a world in which he becomes any more than a third option, and even that is up for debate. Um, and there, there that requires a certain kind of um, I don't know whatever chemistry that kind of intertwining your game into other people's games. And I fear that he's going to build some bad habits. Like, does that make sense? I think it does, but like honestly, I think any player in the NBA's some most players in the NBA are somewhat a realist when they're when they're put on the court next to Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Meaning like there are J.R. Smiths out there who think that they are the best player on the floor no matter what what happens and it's undeserved. And I love J.R. Smith. Everyone knows that. I absolutely adore the man, the myth, the legend that is J.R. Smith. But I don't think Harris is going to be damaged by getting more touches, right? Like I think I, I, it would be valuable for him to have learned to play next to Kyrie and hopefully then Kevin Durant, and then we move that into next season. But it's not like he's gonna his confidence is going to become too large and too inflated that when if he is back with this team next season, which, you know, we can talk about trade possibilities. I feel like trade discussion is going to be something that we care about. Karis yeah, LeVert's, think- not gonna, like, Karis LeVert's not going to suddenly become like too big for his britches, Brian. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would separate like Karis Levert, the asset, the human, the you know, the growth engine of of, of a player, and him and his role in the team. Um, I agree that like having more touches is like undeniably good for that thing. Um, I don't know that it's necessarily great for the other thing. Um, I mean, I think like Zach Lowe just did the ten things I like and don't like thing, and they spent some time talking about the Dinwiddie um, Levert uh, Kyrie pairing and um, those. The statistics of that stuff are kind of weird, um, and like a big uh, one of the things that he alludes to that I think I agree with is that Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert just aren't good enough three point threats to totally allow Kyrie Irving to do the things that he wants to do um, in terms of um, just getting into the paint and and not having to worry about drawing everyone's help defender. Um, those types of things are going to the, like the problem with this Kyrie Irving situation is that we don't get to really resolve any of that, and I don't. I guess maybe it's possible that like in the next twenty eight games, Karis LeVert gets a ton more experience and becomes a super reliable three point threat and begins to add that part of his game, which I think is like a really going to be very important part of what he's going to need to do to get you know to be that super third option, that super clear cut third option. But my sense is that he's. He's very focused on 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 being a primary scorer uh, in a very like traditional, literal, you know, wing scorer kind of way. And I don't know if that. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm not sold one way or the other, Mike. I, I'm, I'm open to the idea that, that that this is just net good. And if nothing else, it's definitely good for his value overall. And that's good for the team in a sense. Right. And I think so kind of where we differentiate is already in my mind, I'm saying goodbye to Karis LeVert. I know we're talking about So that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've always kind of believed that the Nets are going to make a big trade this offseason. They have the assets to do it. If they don't make the playoffs, they actually have even more assets to do it because the Nets will Uh then get back their first round pick. Do I hear some tinfoil crinkling in the background? You're not wrapping a chicken back there, is it? No, no. There's no rotisserie chicken (laughs) that's being wrapped up and shipped off 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 of your way. I don't know why I'm shipping a, a rotisserie yeah. chicken. <laughs> You've I don't know a, who does that. A rotisserie My grandma, flipping I guess, business. ship me a rotisserie flipping chicken. On, flipping them on eBay. When yeah. I would go to Jew Camp, she would maybe sometimes ship me food within tinfoil. Uh, I really? feel like that's probably not allowed anymore. What um, kind of? 
Well, I you know, it would come in like a bad. package, but then oh, there would be yeah. within tinfoil around it. But um, some smoke trout, Canada smoke trout, and wrapped in tinfoil. Yeah. Um, no. Sorry, go ahead. Um, so I, I really already I've pretty much made the determination that Spencer Dinwiddie, Kyrie Irving, Karis Levert, and Kevin Durant, and then center whoever DeAndre Jordan, Jared Allen, that that isn't the perfect team in pursuit of the perfect team, which every a trade is going to happen either way. It's either going to be a Spencer Dinwiddie trade or a Karis LeVert trade because you don't need Kyrie, Karis, and Spencer. In this situation, if we're trying to look at positives, I really do believe it, it's better for Karis LeVert's value, unfortunately, to to show that he can handle a large usage rate and he can be somewhat efficient with it and that he could be a 28-point-per-game scorer with five assists and four rebounds or whatever. I don't think he'll reach that that level. I mean, that's a pretty high level, but you know, it's it's better for his value to be without Kyrie Irving and to show it. Now, I, I think maybe we, let's just get out of the conversation of trying to be positive and let's just like be fully what this oh, well. well, because let it wash you, over us. Because it's like what's the point of try, like there's there's positives and negatives and they're actually sometimes they're the same thing almost. Like so we're talking about Karis LeVert. It's a positive that he will now be able to show what he's like as more of a lead ball handler, more of a guy who the offense is focused around because Kyrie Irving isn't there. But that's also a negative, like you're saying. It's a negative because, well, ultimately the Nets more would rather figure out can Karis LeVert play with Kyrie Irving than can Karis LeVert carry a team by himself. That's not, I would rather get the Kyrie Irving component than the Karis LeVert component. So it it what we're losing is this just this massive amount of information that we would have gained by Kyrie Irving being on the floor with all these players and maybe then the possibility of Kevin Durant coming back, which again was unlikely, but was something that I truly believed was going to happen. So there's a couple of things I kind of wanted to address about Kyrie Irving, the situation. And one thing I just want to kind of get out there, because I don't think there isn't that many people that believe this, but there's enough people that believe it that I think needs to be dispelled, which was that, Ultimately, Kyrie didn't really want to play this season because he wasn't going to get to play with Kevin Durant. There are people who believe that because we weren't given full information about his shoulder impingement. We were kind of led to believe early on that it would be a temporary injury and then he would come back and he would play basketball. And then he did come back and play basketball and now he's going to be out of basketball again. From now what we're getting information about the impingement, we're learning more and more about what a shoulder impingement is like. It is an injury that requires surgery. And because Kyrie didn't immediately seek surgery, he in fact is showing that he wanted to play. The The impingement, you can keep getting cortisone shots, but as you continue to get cortisone shots, it, it worsens the potential of a situation. There's only an, a number amount of cortisone shots that one could get, and Kyrie got one, and he realized that his shoulder wasn't going to heal just by time, and they needed to get surgery. And he probably knew that that was the likely scenario. He said back in January when he talked to the press for the first time in weeks, whatever it was back then, he admitted that I'm going to get I got this shot. We'll see how it goes. And if my shoulder worsens, then I'll probably have to go get surgery. He even he said those almost exact words. And that's where we're at right now. And I think this there's a small sub narrative out there, Brian, that Kyrie Mm. never truly wanted to play this season. He was afraid of going to Boston. He was afraid of playing without Kevin Durant. He he wasn't that committed to this current team. He comes out and says, you know, we need to make a trade. We need to get we need to get new people in here, basically. He didn't really want to play with these guys. And I actually think it's the opposite. He wanted wow. to play. He knew that ultimately he would probably have to get surgery. 
and he took the cortisone shot, something he probably didn't want to do, to try to play and see if it could, if the pain relief could last long <clears throat> enough that it would make sense for him to continue to play the season. And he ultimately has now realized this isn't going to get better, and surgery is the only way for this to happen. And it would have been better to get surgery earlier in the year, but he has made the choice that, like, oh, this is it. This is the reason why I'm doing this now. Now, now, don't you guys feel like a bunch of jerks? You guys out there with your sour pusses being critical on Twitter and Kyrie is sacrificing his body for your entertainment. Mm-mm. I mean, he wanted to play this year. I, I just think it's kind of crazy that like... No, I agree, yeah. That, that, that there is some people out there who truly believe that Kyrie Irving doesn't want the spotlight and I mean, he doesn't want that. If you, and I, you might want to get out the tinfoil for this, um, part of maybe getting that shot instead of getting the surgery right now had to do with the fact that Kevin Durant might have come back at some point. I don't know. Yeah, I, um, I truly, yeah. I mean, obviously, again, I think that, I think Kyrie himself had some sense that it's a possibility that Kevin Durant was going to come back, right? So, like, let's let's go back in time. Let's go back to when, well, I don't want to go all the way back to November, I guess, when they originally had shoulder problems and it, November or early December, and he tried to play through it, and then they kind of re- then they realized that hey, this is a more serious <laughs> issue. But in in Kyrie's calculation, he was presented with options. Sean Marks talked about this last night before the Sixers game. There, all the options are on the table. There's surgery. There's this cortisone shot. There's not taking a shot and just seeing how non-shot rehab goes, which is actually where he started. He started by not taking this cortisone shot, and then he took it on Christmas Eve. And then he came back, I think, what was it, two weeks later or whatever that whatever that was. But surgery was always out there to be had. And I believe he didn't go down the surgery route because there was a 2% chance, a 5% chance, a 40% chance, Brian, that Kevin Durant was going to come back and play basketball this year. And Kyrie Irving didn't want to miss that opportunity because that's the whole reason why he came besides to get closer to home. He wanted to play with Kevin Durant. Um, and he took the cortisone shot and it didn't work. By the way, Brian. Uh, medical news. You want some medical information about cortisone shots? Uh, yeah, I do. You cannot. Now, it depends on what part of the body, but there's been a lot of research that uh, when you receive a cortisone shot, you can't then immediately have surgery. Now, for the shoulder, there was a study done on rotator cuffs, cortisone shots, and then surgery. That you, you, If you got a cortisone shot in your shoulder for a rotator cuff injury, you should wait a month after that shot to then have surgery because your risk of infection greatly increases. Mm. And I'm pretty sure Kyrie had a knee infection at one point after a knee surgery. So he's Mm. probably cautious, but we're two months out of this shot now. And so if there's all that medical research, it's likely Kyrie could soon now get surgery. The thing is, Marks did not definitively say when Kyrie would get surgery. Um, So I wonder if there's some delay in this surgery if they're just waiting for the the best possible time after a cortisone shot to get it to minimize the risk of infection, because if you get an infection, well, that would be bad. That's a bad thing, usually. Um, mm, you know. Totally. Uh, so there you, you ever, go. You I ever had a surgery, Mike? In. You ever done that? No, I've never had surgery. I had back surgery. It's weird. It's weird. It's a whole weird situation. Yeah, I mean, back you know what's surgery funny about getting really surgery, one, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's the only one I've had, so I, I have nothing to compare it's it to. The but worst it's one you've had. Pretty bad. Um, one of the funnier things about getting surgery is when you're like, it's like you realize what a like factory it is. You know, there's so many people getting surgery on the same day, yeah. and you're getting wheeled around on the gurney, and um, 
like five different nurses came up to me and be like, you're Brandon Egan, right? You're getting back surgery, right? Like this is, <laughs> this is like your, your order. Like it's as if you're in a restaurant, except that if the order goes wrong, it's, it's a, like suddenly I am, I need back surgery and I got my, my knee sur- <laughs> like got surgery on it. Um, yeah. So that like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of nerves on surgery day. I always feel bad for, for surgery guys. Just, you know, do you think Kyrie has the same experience that he's just amongst a pile of a bunch yeah, of people that, be thrown like, in there with hips. the plebes like me? Yeah. <laughs> Um, the, so another thing to think about over the rest of the season, Mike, should we talk about like what to expect going forward a little bit or do we yeah, not even absolutely. want to? Let's go down I mean, that road. So one of the bigger outside of, and I don't want to even go into the whole trade, who's going to be the third right. piece next to it. Let's not broach. Cause we're going to have so much time to talk about that and it just sucks that that's going to be the next, that's going to be a, like just a, a, a thing that we have to talk about forever until next season starts. In the next 28 games, though, one thing that we can talk about is striking this balance between watching people like Nick, Nick Claxton getting Kirks back into his flow um, and actually winning games and making the playoffs, if that is of importance. And I don't know that it is. <laughs> Maybe it is. I don't know. Um, and is it worth it to be running at the young guys? Um, and also just be like cycling in a, a new, like, I don't know, TLC and, and, uh, other people. Um, how much of like, how much of that are we going to see, Mike? I don't think it's, so what's the team's goal still? I think the team's goal well, is still to win. Here's the, here's the thing too. Like, are we going to watch a whole lot more? Giada Jordan has been great up to this point. Guys, guys obviously got a lot of miles on him. Do we need to be running him out there as much as we have versus watching some Nick Claxton? I don't know, you know? Yeah, but I think the whole thing is is that, okay, so we need to figure out what the Nets want to do with these final 28 games. Is it only growth, or is it let's really try to make the playoffs as the position that we are in right now? Yeah, I think it's a balance is sort of how I see it, you know, I don't think I don't think you can balance that, honestly. Yeah, I don't think you can either, but or like you, you should go into it knowing that if you're trying to strike that balance, it means... You're you're deprioritizing that playoff success, right? So I think so. This this is a really good tell. If the next game that comes out, obviously, you know, the Nets, it's hard for the Nets to sort of react to the immediacy of the Kyrie is going to get surgery situation. So we saw we're recording this after the Sixers game. We saw what the Nets did. I mean, they took the the Sixers to overtime, um, but who was on the floor? Were the veterans? Was it was a lot of Wilson Chandler, Joe Harris, DeAndre Jordan? You know, all, so. There was no, I don't think Nick Claxton played, Karuks didn't play, Musso didn't play. There was none of those minutes to be had. Um, let me just make sure I, before I say that. I, there, we did get TLC, but TLC has become kind of a valued part of this rotation, uh, which I'm not like hating exactly, by the way. He's, he's a nice end-of-your-bench wing to put out there. So I, I, if we see in the next few games some Claxton, some Rhodey, uh, Musa, Theo Pinson, then the organization is indicating that we're less serious about trying to make the playoffs and we're more exploring growth and we're more exploring what these guys could maybe do for us next season or are these guys worth keeping because next season we're going to have Kyrie and KD, whether it be Karras and Spencer also there or anyone else, Joe Harris may be there. So we're going to know pretty quickly what the Nets are doing and they could change like let's say the Nets go on a losing streak even while playing the veterans and then the final 10 games of the season we get a lot of Nick Claxton sure but immediately we're going to learn what the Nets want to do I think the Nets are still going to value the playoffs because it would be an organizational kind of embarrassment 
that this team, even though they really didn't get any Kyrie, and even though they got none of KD, it would still be somewhat embarrassing that they did not make the playoffs. You know, and is embarrassment enough to to is that more valuable than getting an asset? I don't know. Do, but you, do you really think that? Dude, and also, I mean, like that's a good a good point too. Like, I don't know that Sean Marks cares much about that embarrassment, or maybe he does. I don't know. I think they now he, do. I feel like the Nets organization. But had is to it also change. embarrassment? I mean, like they've got clobbered with with injuries. It's just it's hard to. You know, that's like you have a very easy baked in excuse for for that. Sure. And but I, and I totally I don't think it would be like a massive embarrassment. This wouldn't be like the Sixers suddenly becoming, you know, if the Sixers had lost that game last night, their fans would have, you know, torn down the state. I mean, the fans were furious. And no matter what, what they were doing to cheer at the end of the game, they were booing a team that's the best home team in basketball. Um, let me just I can confirm that. Yeah, they're the best home team in basketball this season. Um, and they're booing them loudly throughout most of the first half because they were an embarrassment in the first half. You know, like, so it wouldn't be the embarrassment. Like, the Sixers are, are embarrassing this year. But it would be bad for the Nets that have styled themselves as, you know, this sort of new age franchise that it were, was able to secure Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, even though they didn't really have either of those two players actually play basketball for them. It wouldn't be a good look to not make the playoffs, particularly because the East, I mean, the Magic are 24 and 31, and they are firmly in the eighth seed. You know? It's like, so that means that the Nets would have to be really pretty bad. But can I tell you something, Brian? Yeah. Real quick thing? Oh, I would love it. Um, if you, so Tankathon is a, a delightful website to, if you're really interested in like where the where draft, where the standings are for the draft, sim, you can simulate the lottery. And you can also look at strength of schedule for the remaining remainder of the season. The Nets have about the 18th strongest schedule. So they're, Middle of the road, they have uh, a couple big games. They have two Bucks games, a Lakers game, two Celtics games, and a Clippers game. But then they have a lot of easy games, so they're 18th. The team that could most threaten the Nets to steal a playoff spot and for the Nets to be out are the Wizards. And the Wizards had the fifth hardest schedule remaining in the season. Mm. So there's a lot of, like, the statistics are behind the Nets still making the playoffs. They have a huge lead in, if you put 7th and 8th seed together, they have a huge lead over not being in the playoffs. But... If they didn't make the playoffs right now, the Wizards are projected to have the ninth pick in the draft. So let's say the Nets didn't make the playoffs and they swap spots with the Wizards. The ninth pick in the draft has a 20 percent chance of being in the top four. And when you look at those numbers, it becomes more convincing to be like, maybe they should tank. But I don't advocate for that. I advocate for being in the playoffs. I advocate for getting the experience. I advocate for it's better for the organization to be in the playoffs. And then you can say, hey, we have KD and Kyrie coming back to a playoff team. How great is that going to be? But 20% chance of being in the top four is pretty appealing. We'll know where Sean Mark stands on that <clears throat> maybe in in a week or two. If we start seeing like, you know, 20, 25 minutes out of Nick Claxton, we'll know. We'll know where they're prioritizing <laughs> things, okay? They should put up a graphic on, yes, if Nick Claxton comes in the game, it'd just be like, Nets are, Nets are tanking, Nets are not. <laughs> like, it would just follow him around. Yeah, and we love Nick Claxton. Like, I honestly, I you know, I I know he was hurt for a lot of the year. Like, I wish he had played more because I always liked my Nick Claxton minutes. They were always super fun to watch. Yeah. Um. There. So, are you? Where are you on this spectrum of like growth versus playoffs? Are you in the middle, or are you on either of the ends? Um. Well, you know me. I'm like a utilitarian. I have. I don't use my emotions to guide any of my decisions. Um, you know this about me. I know. Um, yeah. 
And for my purposes, the only issue, though, like with going full blown, I want to watch the young guys is that like exciting as Nick Claxton and Kirks is <clears throat> that doesn't really I don't I don't know that we're going to get a ton of growth out of them in the next 28 games. Right. So it doesn't seem super duper important with that. But if there was a I don't know if there's if, if we still had Nwaba, if we if there was, oh. you know, other younger guys who, you know, a, an equivalent of a Marshawn Brooks or something on the team, <laughs> I would like to watch it, I guess. But um the current the current roster does not have that kind of spicy young meme on the team. Yeah, and like, what growth is more important? The growth of Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, and I guess Spencer Dinwiddie still? Or is it of Nick Claxton, Rodion's Karutz, and Theo Pinson? Because like, if you're playing, if you're trying to learn who Karis LeVert is, you don't want to put him out there in minutes with Rodion's Karutz and Musa and Theo Pinson and Nick Claxton. That doesn't help Karis LeVert. So it's like, we can say play the young guys, but there are other young guys who are much higher stature on this team that we want to learn more about. And the best way to learn more about them is to continue to play them with DeAndre Jordan and Torian Prince and yeah. Wilson Chandler. Like, you learn more through that than by playing them with, you know, just a bunch of, like, baby gazelles. And doubling down on that sentiment, I'll say, like, what if Joe Harris, you know, just took up the mantle of being like, hey, I'm going to be shooting a lot more too now and I could be a higher usage you know three-point shooter and keep up up my percentages I wish that Joe Harris thought like that I'm almost positive that he doesn't think that way but I wish that he did you know I I wonder so this is alternate reality time if we're I I could put some alternate reality timeline music behind us maybe in post-production great but um what if we learned about Kyrie Irving's shoulder needing surgery three weeks ago and it was before the trade deadline do you think that they would have traded joe harris and say basically we know that this season won't matter so we should just trade joe harris for a highly protected first round pick or an early second round pick not that they could always secure an early second round pick do you think that they would have gone down that road to maybe be a little bit more of sellers or do you think they would have done the exact thing that they did which is to do literally nothing my sense is that they would have done the exact same thing. Um, I think that if you're if you're building the team in the way that I think that Sean Marks is having true blue system guys to surround your star players is really important. And as we've talked about on the show quite a bit, Joe Harris really does exemplify the net system to a T when he's at his best. Um, so I think that. You know, anyone else, I think that, that that whatever price he's going for is going to, It's. I, I don't know that he's going to gouge the Nets. I, d- I don't get that sense. I don't know that the market is any hotter for him now than it was three weeks ago. And But, he, you know, he's he's going to get paid. Um, but, you know, Josiah was coming out talking about that he's going into, you know, luxury you, tax Joe territory. Sai. You're just like um, buddy, buddy <laughs> with Mr. Sai. What, me? It. Yeah, Josiah. Just throwing out. Joseph is it his proper English name, but sorry, Joseph Sai. I thought he was going by Joe on Twitter yeah, and stuff. I'm, I'm totally kidding. I'm totally oh, kidding. Um, all right. Well, jo- Joseph Sai um, nice. is. <laughs> I'm going the European pronunciation. Um, what was I? What was I even sorry, talking about? Yeah, um, I apologize. <laughs> no. That was such a rude interruption. <laughs> he, he was doing something, and anyways, it's what um, did Joe Sai say? I totally forget what the, what any of what I was talking about. <laughs> I swear. I'm so sorry. I'm <laughs> no. such a bad co-host. Is that what I am? No, that's that's on me. Um, oh, he was talking about going into luxury tax territory, and that that meant I, I think that that was that implied he'd be open to paying Joe Harris 
uh, the competitive price that he's going to be asking for on the open market. And that still remains true. And also they like their vibe of like, hey, we nurture our guys and then we also pay them at the end. We keep our guys. You know, I think that's part of the um, that's the vestiges of the culture that they're trying to salvage, I guess, at this point is more how I would how I would term it, um, because, you know, adding in these star players and I'm not I'm not um, sort of mourning this or whatever does does mess up your 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 cute culture pretty good, pretty well and good. Yeah. Um, and, so, yeah. And again, we can, you know, we'll talk about trades and all that crazy stuff. I'll say two things on the Joe Harris re-signing front is one that he said last night. They asked him again, like, would you want to come back? And he said, of course, you know, I've grown close with these guys. I think he's being these guys. I think he was talking specifically about like Kyrie Irving and maybe Kevin Durant. But like, I've why would I not want to come back? And of course, he would want to come back if the dollar figure is right. And also, um, if the Nets do make some big trade, They'll they'll actually want Joe Harris's contract at that point again because it becomes they make a trade. It's Spencer Dinwiddie or Carousel Vert is going to be a part of it. Jared Allen is likely going to be a part of it. Maybe all three of those guys will all be a part of the deal. And you're gonna want Joe Harris back because then he becomes your fifteen million dollar man that plays basketball for you and is another contract that you can put into a trade, another trade down the road. So like I just think more and more that like Again, if we're looking at this team is likely going to make some kind of trade this offseason, you're at, you're going to want Joe Harris also on there. The team becomes very expensive, and Joe Sy will have to continue to make the commitment that I'll pay luxury tax and all that. But you're going to want that contract because you get into a situation like the Lakers had where they they couldn't make any trade at the trade deadline because the only people they, they could trade was Kuzma, and Kuzma is not making any money. Uh, DeMar- DeMarcus Cousins, which who would want DeMarcus Cousins at this point right now where he is and Danny Green Danny Green was a name being mentioned in Lakers trades well they don't want to trade Danny Green but they that's the only kind of contract that they had so again all of this stuff the it actually is good to have like the 8 to 15 million dollar contracts on your books a couple of them because when you want to make a deal you're able to put it together as opposed to like having three max players in all minimums that's mm-hmm. why like the Andrew Wiggins trade for the Warriors <laughs> People are liking it because you can put Wiggins in any deal now, and he can be the the salary filler for guys coming back to the Warriors. So I think Joe Harris is going to come back because of the Nets are going to make a trade, and this team's going to be dramatically different next season, which will be super nice. fun. Great. Um, should we just leave it there and then? Yeah, yeah. I don't you know we don't need to overburden everybody. They're they're still you know maybe they're not even ready to process all this information in the same way that we are. Um, you know, because it's a sad, it's a sad situation. Like people wanted to watch Kyrie Irving play basketball. If nothing else, he is super fun to watch, and it sucks that we don't get to watch that. Yeah, it it that is really the the best takeaway, Brian. Is that <laughs> thanks, Kyrie Irving is fun at basketball, is good at basketball, and now he will no longer be playing basketball this season, and likely Kevin Durant won't as well. But I'm not giving up on that quite yet. Um. Thank you all for listening. Uh, if you want to hear a different part of Netsland this this week, I did an interview with Ian Eagle. He shared a lot of thoughts about Kyrie Irving, just him, the player himself, not his health situation. A little bit about KD. We talked about that in the moment, and I brought this up to Brian on our stream last night. Uh, there was a moment when Lawrence Frank of the Clippers tried to poach Ian Eagle, and I, I hoped Nets fans would have rioted. Uh, on the streets of New York City to stop that. Ian goes into that detail a little about how that kind of happened and didn't happen. 
Uh, so look for that podcast. That's the one preceding this episode. Uh, we'll be back next week talking more about the ripple effects of Kyrie Irving's injury. And, and some games. There's games. We're watching and games. And basketball still. games. Because the yeah. Nets are still technically going to be in the playoffs. So this is a team that's going to be worth watching. So thank you all for listening. Brian, I'm so glad to have been with you. Um, thanks for having me. Five stars. We want them. We need them. And follow us everywhere. Discord link invite in the Twitter bio, guys. I saw somebody on Twitter asking about it. That's where we are. Anyways, bye, Mike. Thank you. Yeah, boy. <laughs>